Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, it's our VFLW Season Preview Special. We catch up with the captain of the Essendon women's team, Lisa Williams, and we look at some of the star recruits each team has picked up for the 2018 VFLW season with our Match of the Day caller, Matthew Cox. Plus, our State League and International Women's Footy Wrap. That's all coming up over the next two hours. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or via the RSN Racing and Sport app. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter, WARF Radio, or go to facebook.com forward slash WARF Radio. It's simple as that. Our VFL Women's Match of the Day coverage on RSN Carnival Digital Radio returns for 2018 this Sunday, the 6th of May, from 12 noon as we bring you Essendon v Hawthorne from Windy Hill. And to mark that, I've got on the line a very special guest. She is the inaugural captain of the Essendon VFLW team. She is also a member of the Diamond Creek 2012 VWFL Premier Division Premiership team and she played in the AFLW in 2017 for the Western Bulldogs. It's great to have on the line Lisa Williams. Lisa, how are you? Hi, Pete. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the air. And yeah, all, all going really well. How are you? Now, not too bad at all. And as we speak to you, um, you've just gotten back home. I need to ask the question, was that getting back home from work or the 2012 Diamond Creek Premiership reunion that was held on Saturday? <laughs> No, being a very responsible secondary teacher, I was getting home from work. But, um, yes, we did have our 2012 Premiership reunion and past player and supporters day on uh, on Saturday for Diamond Creek, which was, um, yes, awesome. Very, very, very good um, to have a good reminisce with the girls. And, uh, yeah, great to catch up as always. Can I just mention the fact that that happened in 2012. That was before all the AFLW exhibition games and two seasons of AFLW football. It's actually only six years ago, but, geez, that seems like a lifetime away compared to everything that's happened. Yeah, well, we um, one of the one of the girls from our football club, Laura Fraser, actually happened to document the whole year um, by filming, so from pre-season all the way through to our grand final, so which is amazing. But we've actually never seen the footage. So after six years, she dug it out and did all the edits and whatnot and um, yeah, had documented the, the whole year and it was actually amazing to watch, especially now sitting in the room with um, majority of the girls who played AFLW or are still playing AFLW, even just watching, um, you know, watching footage of training during January when we've got, you know, 12 girls there running around, flogging it out um, at, you know, one of the top sort of um, state league clubs in Victoria and um, yeah to watch it and then to see how far the game has come and it was just so um, yeah it was amazing to watch but yeah such fond memories and that's a challenge to Laura Fraser we need to see that vision uh, the vision that's oh. okay family friendly we need to see that well, on YouTube it, it took us six years to see it so I don't know how long it would take to get <laughs> out further than that but um, yeah she did an awesome job as we mentioned from 2012 a lot happened. We we get to the eve of 2017. We're talking October 2016. The first ever AFL Women's Draft happens. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. The first hour and a half or so, because it was 140-odd picks that day, 
the numbers are getting into the 80s. They're getting into the 90s. Your number ha- hadn't been called at this stage. What's going through your mm-hmm. head thinking, oh, my God, there's only something like 50-odd picks to go? Um, well, I'd actually, I'd actually had some communication with um, uh, some, foot- some football clubs in the lead-up to the AFL draft. So I, I sort of knew my name was being thrown around and not, not in the higher numbers. And I knew, you know, looking at the caliber of players that were going, you know, top numbers, I didn't expect to sort of be in that, that first 50 or, or, or along those lines. But then when it started to get to, you know, the 80s and 90s, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, that's when I sort of thought I, I could be a bit of a chance here. But then also knowing, you know, there was girls and women all around the, the country that put their name forward. You just don't know the talent from other states, really, until now. We just, you know, we knew, obviously, what we had to offer in Victoria. I knew that there was such a um, a wide variety of, of skill and experience and so many amazing players that were, you know, coming out of the draft. So sitting there, I was actually, I came home from work a bit early that day. I was just so nervous and I was sitting on the couch watching a live stream and, yeah, when my name got called out at 92 for the Bulldogs, I was just screaming and jumping on the couch and crying and just so elated. So, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. You got to play the 2017 AFLW season with the Bulldogs. You played in their opening game, the win against uh, Fremantle. You played six games of the season. So not a bad first up year by anyone's means. That first game, uh, round one against against Frio, at Witten Oval was, yeah, something I'll always cherish. And just the, the the excitement and the adrenaline that I know I felt and all the girls and everything felt was just insane. It was nothing like we'd ever experienced before. And um, I remember going into to sort of start our warm-up in the, in the indoor training facility and we all, you know, stood up on the gym equipment and we peered our heads through the window at the top and, and peeked our heads out and had a look and we all just were like, oh my gosh, there's so many people. So you could just feel the atmosphere through the walls and, yeah, then to run out through the banner and then to get a win as well. It was just, yeah, something I'll just never forget. And, yeah, it gives me goosebumps thinking back to it. It was, it was really amazing. Come the end of the season, each club had to make seven compulsory delistings. There was no escaping it. Mm-hmm. Seven names had to be on the sheet. Unfortunately, yep. you were one of the names. Did, did, did you have an inkling beforehand that it might be you or was it a shock? Did you sit down and the coach essentially told you, prepare for the blow, this is reality? Um, so at the, end of the, at the end of the AFLW season, we all um, sat down and had our ex-interviews, which basically means, you know, before you go into that period where, you know, trades and, and the listings and all that sort of stuff happen, you sit down and reflect and discuss the season that was. Um, and I, I did that with, with our coach, Paul Groves, and, um, you know, we gave each other some pretty solid feedback back and forth. And um, and I, I knew that I hadn't had a great AFLW season or, or a great campaign in that, I sort of never really um, cemented my, my place in a specific role uh, within the team. I felt like, you know, one of my greatest strengths was probably one of my greatest weaknesses in that I was, you know, could be a bit of a utility and move around the ground but didn't, yeah, really sort of cement my, my spot position-wise. So I knew, and he was honest, you know, to say that, you know, it, it's likely this might happen. So when I got the call from the club to say that, that I was the list, obviously I was gutted and... Um, and, and would have loved to have continued on, but I also was very grateful for the opportunity and and yeah, so it, it wasn't it wasn't a, sorry it wasn't a complete shock, but it was um, yeah definitely definitely disappointing um, to get that call. So did you find the transition from 
18 aside, football to 16 aside with no wings, a bit difficult because if I think about your play at Diamond Creek, you would normally pick up a lot of your possessions around the halfback region. Typically, you take it off halfback, go for a run, then try and find someone wide on the wing. With that mm. element and with those wing positions out of the game, did that make it difficult for you to try and find what would normally be your natural go-to? Yeah, well, I, I, I've actually played a lot of my footy on the wing. So, you know, half-back wing um, and a bit of, you know, rotation through the middle in the last couple of years. So I predominantly have played on the wing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, initially when, when we said 16 aside, obviously being mindful the wings would be out of the out of the positioning, I still thought, oh, that might that might put my spot in jeopardy. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I, it, it was a bit of a strange transition. I can definitely understand why, why they did it. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess I couldn't really bring to the bring to the table what what the club and what, what our team needed. So I guess that's why I, I did end up sort of getting the chop at the end of the season. But it was it was an interesting sort of yeah transition to go from eighteen to sixteen and something that. I don't know, I'm still kind of not a hundred percent on which way I feel about it. Whether it's great for the game or whether you know we should be playing eighteen side. It's yeah, I, I've been on the fence with that one. Now, throughout your time at Diamond Creek, you've been through a number of coaches in charge. You had obviously Grant Barton, who coached you to a premiership in 2012. You had the likes of Brad Liederman, um, uh, who, of course, went on to be more of a coaching mentor role for Tanya Hetherington, who coached there for a year um, when she was out with her knee injury. And then you ended up with Scott Gowans, who, of course, is going to be an AFLW coach now with North Melbourne for the 2019 season. Um, Looking across uh, those coaches, why do you think coaches like, uh, for example, Barton, who got you to a premiership, and Gowans, who got you close to a premiership, succeeded? Diamond Creek, our, our Creekers team, as as you, you would know, Pete, from probably seeing us and, and hearing us, um, we're a very, very unique bunch. Um, we're very, very much like a family. Um, and I know with Grant, a um, bit of an old school coaching style, but also really, you know, was we all really looked up to him in, you know, he, he actually he has that real sort of fatherly figure in that, you know, his daughter's in the team and he sort of, he expected a lot from us, um, kept us really accountable, was always very honest with us um, and we, we had just endless amounts of respect for Grant as our coach. Um, so I think that and running out in 2012, playing, you know, alongside girls who are your best mates and you've trained with for months and years on end, and then to have, you know, your coach there who you just, you want to win for as well. I think that was just a, a really great recipe for us to, to get over the line in 2012. Um, and then last year, I mean, Scott was fantastic. Scott, um, I guess, completely different to Grant in the way um, which he went about his coaching, both both fantastic in, in, their own, in their own rights. And Scott had definitely more of that sort of professional elite culture coming from um, Carlton AFLW. Um, he was able to bring um, a wealth of knowledge around, you know, um, training structures and um, bringing in strength and conditioning coaches as well, um, and all you know, all the bells and whistles that you get with more of an elite facility. So, um, yeah, we're still sort of, you know, speaking of the girls, still sort of kick ourselves that we we didn't get over the line last year in the 2017, sorry, 2016, sorry, 2017. Oh gosh, I'm losing my years now. <laughs> um, grand final because we. Um, yeah, we know we had the we had the talent, hundred percent, and so I think maybe we we played our grand final two weeks early against Durban at Coburg, where we um we ended up beating them by about twenty five points 
in the in the semi final, but then yeah, come on, come the big stage that Eddie had, we just couldn't get over the line, which was a real shame. And um, yeah, it's hard, but I guess you you have to take the good with the bad. Just reflecting on the semi final win for a moment when. You- you, know, you beat Darabin, you actually beat them comfortably. I think the general mm. consensus was, and this is certainly not a knock on, on Brad or, or Tanya, it, throughout the year was, my goodness, how much the Diamond Creek side had changed. And it's not a case of, obviously, the players like Emma Grant and Ash Riddell coming into the team. But it mm. always been that Diamond Creek was always win the hard ball, get it out, kick it to the next contest, then try and win the next hard ball, and so on and so yeah. on. The composure of the side was completely different, cool and calm under pressure. Like we said, it's something yeah. we'd never seen before out of Diamond Creek. And like we said in that semi-final during the course, like you've got complete control of Darabin. You've got them in your grasps. Mm, yeah, and, and I think that was one of the big changes. You know, we still had a lot of the same personnel in the team who'd been there for the previous, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Um, obviously, a couple of new faces, as you mentioned. But um, we that was a big change that we had in our training and in our structures and our, in our game plan. You know, Scott really um, drilled home different types of play that we that we would execute at different points in the match. Um, and, and we were a much, much better structured side, um, a much more clearly structured side. Um, and like you said, that, that came down to us, what well, showed that we had a lot more composure with the footy. We were hitting shorter targets, not bombing it long and, you know, just looking for the in and under and get it out sort of mentality. Although that did really work for us for a long time. It, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot more, a lot cleaner footy, I guess, last year would have seen compared to, to previous years. Come uh, early November last year, it was announced that the Devils, the Sharks, the Creekers, that's it, gone from the State League, no more. Um, as we spoke to players from those clubs in the past, particularly the Sharks, they were more shocked because they had announced uh, that they were going to hire a coach two, two days beforehand. So it kind of caught them by surprise and they'd just lost mm. the preliminary final. They felt they were going to go on and had unfinished business. A bit opposite with the Devils, they'd kind of had a gut inkling around the middle of the year that the fate was coming. Uh, for you, you'd actually been involved uh, previously at committee level at Diamond Creek. For you, when did you kind yeah. of get that inkling or was it, Almost, you didn't hear to the last moment, and that's it. We all got to find a new home. Um, we, I guess, we had a, a couple of different discussions, either, you know, with with the team and um, at our presentation night um, at the end of the season, and, and there were there was always a question mark there. So we we always knew that it, it could have gone either way. So we were never completely shocked by the result. We. Um, we, we had a very unique situation and we had so many girls signed to AFLW clubs. We didn't know what the, the AFLW clubs were going to turn around and say, that, you know, you have to play VFL um, with us. And if that was the case, we would have lost, you know, 17 of our, or 17, 18 of our, of our you know, first 22 that played in the granny. So we, it was really difficult to know, um, you know, what the right or wrong answer is. And, and last year was the first year that I wasn't involved at committee. Um, I've been on the committee for the five years previous to that. So I wasn't, uh, you know, exactly privy to all the discussions that took place, but they were very open with us and, you know, communicating with us that, you know, we're going to aim to try and get this um, VFL license again for next year and they were pushing for that and there was that hope and then um, and then they, they were really good in communicating with us to sort of let us know prior to the announcement and unfortunately we've decided to, to keep um, Diamond Creek only at, at local level in the NFL um, and, to which obviously our girls were were um, upset by it, but also very understanding that that's what that's what um, the decision was made and why that decision was made. So 
Um, you know, we've all, um, all girls who've left the club who've now gone to VFL, other VFL clubs. Um, you know, we're, we're all still registered at Diamond Creek and, and that will be our local club. And, um, we, yeah, we, we understood, like I said, we, were, we knew it was, it was going to go either way. So weren't shocked, but obviously saddened by it as well. So that means you had to find a new home. When did the discussions, decisions, options be presented forward for you to go to Essendon? Um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, actually. My partner works at the football club, uh, works at Essendon, and, and he um, and I had had a few conversations about you know the possibilities if Diamond Creek wasn't going to have a team where I'd play. Um, and him being involved in in um, some of the organisation and operations of the VFL women's team, um, I've spoken to him about it. We weren't quite sure whether that would be the right the right move to, um, you know, whether it be for my footy and for him professionally. We weren't sure if that was um, going to be yeah the best step forward. And then we discussed it and went back and forth. And I had a chat with some other clubs actually, and then. Um, Brendan Major was appointed as, as head coach and, and I, I'd spoken to him and he said, no, I want you, you're coming here, I want you to play at Essendon. And I was like, good, if, that's, if you want me, if head coach has asked me, then I'm, I'm going there and I'm so wrapped in the decision that that, um, that I've made and, and, and that they wanted me to come along to Essendon because it's been, yeah, it's been an amazing four, four months training alongside the girls and at the club and um, yeah, everyone's been fantastic. So I'm, yeah, very happy with my decision. Can you give us a, a comparison to what the training load is like compared to obviously when you were being a paid semi-professional at, at an AFLW club like the Bulldogs to an mm-hmm. AFL club but with a VFLW side at Essendon? Yeah. Um, look, it is quite, it's quite comparative in that we're, we're training in, in an elite facility and anyone who's been to Essendon and has been to the hangar, um, sorry, Essendon Football Club and been to the hangar would know that it's, um, it's just next level in terms of the facilities and, um, you know, the the hangar itself with the indoor ground. They've got the two fields outside, one MCG size, one Etihad size. They've got this amazing weight room and auditoriums and it's, it's so impressive. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's one of the, the, you know, you walk in and it's just a complete selling point straight away. But, but aside from that and how impressive the facility is, we've just found the club has been just so open and accepting and inclusive and respectful of a whole new team coming in um, into the club. And, you know, that's from the players and the staff. And that's something that I've really felt and um, really appreciated from day one. Um, in terms of the the standard compared to AFLW, it is, like I said, it's quite comparable in that um, where we're being treated as elite athletes and that's the expectation and that's what um, we're being held to to you know, act professionally, to look after our bodies, to train at the you know at, the, at our best standard. And I think that's been really, really positive. And we've got a number of girls in our squad who are who are quite young, just coming out of tap cup or just coming out of you know um, community football, who are you know in their late teens, early twenties. Um, and and an environment like this is going to be so amazing for them moving forward. And um, yeah, it's 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 been really really great so far. 
Just having a look at some of the names that you've managed to uh, secure for this season, some of the names that we do know that have played in the VWFL for quite a long time. First of all, the obvious clubs like Diamond Creek and the Eastern Devils. First of all, out of your own patch, the likes of Kirby Hicks, a great defender, picking up Lauren Moorcroft, who's taking on an assistant coaching role as well. And also, I spot a giant in your team, Tanya Hetherington. Yes, she was also a creaker. So, yeah, we've got um, some awesome Diamond Creek personnel who, who are carrying on their VFL footy campaigns in Essendon, which is really great. And, we, and you know, um, having... Having solid teammates like them who are also great friends is, is really exciting and, and really, um, yeah, all those girls you just mentioned are fantastic for club culture and, and bring a wealth of experience and knowledge for the game, but also, like I said, really good positive team culture as well. Also, having a look, you've got some uh, good Eastern Devils players in the mix as well that have come across. Chloe mm-hmm. Land, I know, is a small defender. Uh, uh, Liz Carney, who's obviously will be uh, doing a bit of the rucking role for you as well. And the ACL twins, yeah. Kendra Heil yeah. and Jessica Trend. Yes, Kenny and Trendy have, um, they're just coming back from their ACL rehab and they have just hit the ground running. Pardon the pun, they are just. Um, well, really, initially at the start of preseason, they were still going to their rehab program and have been, um, yeah, fantastic role models for anyone who's going through any sort of injury or in our rehab group. You know, did you see the dedication and the hard work that they've put into getting back on track? Um, and it's just second to none. So um, I know it would have been, you know, a very, very difficult time for those girls, especially having, you know, 18 months away from the game um, and to come back fighting fit and, playing great footy and having a really strong pre-season, those girls should be so proud of themselves because we are as their teammates. So, yeah, we've got some, some good experience across the board, which is fantastic. Uh, one other player I noticed, while they've listed her as, uh, well, first of all, two Sunbury players technically. You've obviously got Natasha Hardy out of Sunbury and yep. another girl who played junior footy at Sunbury but then played seniors at the uh, Western Spurs, Alex Quigley. Yes, yeah. So both uh, both Quiggs and Hardy have had an awesome preseason. Um, Quiggs is just such a he's got just such a, a natural football ability. She takes strong marks. She's got a beautiful kick. Um, I know she had a little bit of time away in recent times for um, for I believe a back injury. So um, she's coming back from that fighting fit and, and, and looking really strong. Um, and then Natasha Hardy, who's um, been named our vice captain, is. Um, just returning to footy after having a baby last year, so she's um, she's had a fantastic preseason and uh, and such a positive role model for um, you know to be to be a young mum and having you know I think I think her daughter Maisie's about seven months old and to be turning up to training and and not skipping a beat and just you know training in the house down I think is just such an awesome awesome person to look up to and yeah we really admire her for it. And just quickly, your insight into three players. Uh, the first one, which I was tipped off about, I think it's Callan Ward's sister, if I'm correct, uh, Aisha Ward. Yes, yes, correct. So Aisha actually works at Essendon Footy Club. So she's gone from working upstairs to coming downstairs and having a run around. And she um, has, has played a little bit of footy, not a lot at all. But um, she's just, from the start of pre-season, you can just see she's got amazing um, ability to learn and pick up the game really quickly. And and she's just her skills have just excelled over the preseason, and she's going to be one to watch, I think. And two surnames that if I don't ask you, I'm going to get hung by those on the forum at <laughs> bummerblitz.com. Hello to all the blitzers there. Let's be honest; they want to know about 
Stephanie Hurd and Michaela Yalong. Both the girls have been great. We um we have uh, had obviously both in, um, early on in pre-season. Michaela's unfortunately missed a little bit of um, training due to heading um, heading back to Darwin to play in the local competition up there, and um, has been out a couple of couple of trainings here and there due to some niggling injuries. But other than that, she's got amazing natural skills, and um, yeah, you can see she just just knows the game really well from playing up in Darwin, but also obviously watching family grow up and her dad playing footy at Essendon so she's been fantastic and then Steph is relatively new to footy as well after I think playing predominantly tennis in her young years and playing quite um, high level competitive tennis she's made the move to footy and is one as well who who's grown so much over the pre-season and you can see that She's so determined. Even you know, early early on in preseason, during our time trials, you could just see the determination on her face. You just, you know, how hard she wants to work and how good she wants to, what really wants to fulfil the potential that she's got, which is fantastic. And she's only just turned nineteen last week, so yeah, she's got a long way to go in terms of her footy career. She's got, um, yeah, a lot of longevity there, which is exciting. For yourself personally, um, as we mentioned earlier, you'd normally play on the wing or a little bit towards half back. Uh, is Major looking to keep you in that role or looking to uh, reinvent you, not only for the Essendon side, but obviously also for your AFLW chances come the next draft? <laughs> well, um, I, I've in tracking matches, I've been doing a bit of work on the wing and, um, and in the middle. So I think probably around around the midfield and the yeah mid part of the ground is where I'll play most of my footy. But I'm always open to wherever the team would need me. And like I said, I've played a bit down back along the half back line. And last year we rolled up forward a little bit as well. So I'm I'm yeah I'm happy wherever wherever I'm placed. But probably yeah probably more so around the wing and maybe some midfield rotations at times I'd say. And the other important question to ask you is: Just last week you were given the honour of being the first women's captain at the Essendon Football Club in the club's 140-odd year history. What does mm-hmm. that mean to be a captain of a, of a club that has been around for so long and so revered? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I was absolutely so humbled when um, I found out on Tuesday night. We, um, we went through a process and we all um, were asked to self-nominate if we'd like to put up our hand for leadership group and... Um, through that process, um, there was, I believe, 15 girls, 15 of us who put up our hand to self-nominate to be part of our leadership group or captain. Um, and then through that process, each player nominated for um, who who they'd like to be the skipper. And I was just so um, overwhelmed and humbled and completely honoured when, when I found out on Tuesday that I, um, yeah, it was announced as captain of our inaugural team. And like you said, such a such a rich history yes and a footy club has and something that um, I'm already so so honored for but I know I'll look back on and continue to to be yeah amazed by that and be yeah part of history our whole team is going to go down as part of history this this coming Sunday when we play our first game and and don the sash for the first time and first time that a women's team will be representing us in a footy club so I'm yeah I'm so privileged and I yeah, I know the weight of the responsibility that I'm taking on and I can't wait for the season and see what we can produce together. Just quickly touching on the opposition in general and then, of course, for, for this Sunday. Uh, first of all, in general, how hard is it going into this season 
essentially not knowing what you're coming up against. You know some of the players, but because mm-hmm. everyone's been spread out from where their old clubs used to be and they're all at new teams and who knows what position they're going to play in compared to what coach is going to do what game plan, how hard is it walking into the great unknown? Yeah, look, it's, um, I was actually talking to, I work with, um, I actually work with one of the girls from Hawthorne who's playing at Hawthorne this year, Lou Watton. Um, we're colleagues at the same school together and we were just having a chat today because we took out our senior girls football team. We work at Roseville Secondary College in the RSA program and took out, um, our senior girls football team. And so we were just having a chat and saying it's just, it's so hard to know what, what, what each team are going to produce and what, um, you know, what each each team will look like. It, it's really a, a, a clean slate for the whole competition. So it'll be interesting. It'll ever, definitely keep everyone on the edge of their seat and um, make us all really stand up and watch out for other teams when we get the opportunity to watch other games to see how teams structure up and where their strengths are and um, and know what we're expecting week to week. So it's going to be it's going to be really unknown for us, but also for everyone watching. So it's going to be yeah, an exciting journey throughout the year. This Sunday, Windy Hill, 1 p.m. bounce down, your opening game mm-hmm. of the VFLW season. Free entry, by the way, for those people that do want to come along, taking on mm-hmm. one of the, well, at least club versus club, one of the greatest foes in Essendon history being the Hawthorne Football Club. How does it feel coming up against not only a club like that, but also just as a little spicy bit to add to our story at the very beginning from your 2012 Premiership reunion, your captain in 2012 was Diana Haynes. She is playing for mm. Hawthorne. Yes, and uh, and this guy who plays this, uh, this weekend will be a 150th senior game. So it's a massive one for Diana Haynes. I'm so proud of her. Once again, another... Another amazing woman who's just come back from having a baby and having a year off footy, having a beautiful little girl, Lockie. So, yeah, it will be strange seeing each other in the different colours. I guess the the Essendon um, black and red isn't too different from the Diamond Creek red and blue sash. But, um, yeah, seeing guys in, in the uh, in the maroon and yellow or maroon and gold will be, will be strange. But I know that she's, she's such a fierce competitor that she'll be, yeah, regardless of of how old Dizzy is or whatever the circumstance, she's going to always bring her A game and is always a fierce competitor. So it'll be, it'll be strange seeing her on the other side, you know, um, as an opponent. But um, I know it's going to be a great match. I know we've got um, so much talent that's going to be running out with us and, like I said, varied levels of, of experience and ability. But um, I know that a lot of other teams are saying similar and that they've got, you know, you've got a younger girls coming up through the ranks and then we've got teams who have, you know, varying numbers of AFLW players and I know that Hawthorne has recruited well in terms of their AFLW players. So it'll be really interesting and, and a really exciting match on Sunday. And, um, yeah, we went and had our first training session at, at Windy Hill last week and it's just, oh, it's, it's an amazing place to be. You can just feel the atmosphere and, just feel the history when you're out there on the ground and running around. So it's going to be it's going to be an amazing feeling on Sunday, running out for the first time and going up against Hawthorne. It's yeah, it'll be an honour and hopefully we can walk away with the, with the four points at the end of the day. And there might be a slight a slight wry smile on the face of Essen supporters after you called Hawthorne maroon and gold instead of brown and gold, just to uh, just to poke oh, them a little bit. <laughs> Stoke the rivalry early. <laughs> 
Well, thank you very much, Lisa, for giving us your time here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. We wish you all the very best this Sunday in your official debut in the Essendon Colours in the VFL Women's Competition, and we wish you all the very best throughout 2018. And cross fingers for you in October when the draft rolls around. Excellent. Thanks so much, Pete, and thanks for all the support for women's footy. And, yeah, get down and, and support the local local teams as well as the, the VFL um, women's teams because it's going to be a really exciting year and there's just so much. There's so much depth now in women's footy and it's just getting bigger and better by the minute. And don't forget Essendon v Hawthorne at Windy Hill live on RSN Carnival Digital Radio Sunday, May 6th from 12 noon. Time for our State League and International Women's Footy Wrap. First of all, looking at the WAWFL. All games were played on Sunday over the weekend. Pill Thunderbirds 2-3-15 going down to East Fremantle 6-6-42. South Fremantle 3-10-28. Couldn't match it with Subiaco 12-10-82. West Perth 15-16-106. Easily took care of Perth Angels one straight six. And in a low-scoring arm wrestle, Swan Districts 5-1-31 defeated Claremont Two five seventeen. Looking ahead to round five, the one game on the Saturday, May fifth, East Fremantle versus Subiaco. That game will be a twilight match, five p.m. at East Fremantle Oval. All other games being played on Sunday, the sixth of May, two p.m. start times. Claremont hosting South Fremantle, West Perth hosting the Peel Thunderbirds, and the Perth Angels hosting Swan Districts. Time to find out what happened over the weekend of the QWAFL. It's great to have on the line our Queensland reporter in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh, Peter, thanks for having me once again, mate. A confusing round three of football, and we'll explain as the results present themselves. Let's just start with the opening game uh, last Saturday at Maroochydore. The Roos, who we thought, well, looks like they could have a good 2018, ran into a Cullingatta Tweed side who were beaten by Bond University last week, and they weren't happy about it, and they took out revenge on Maroochydore to the tune of 97 points. Yeah, look, massive, um, massive trip up to Maroochydore, uh, but they've gone up there and and uh, made made the most of it. So made the trip worthwhile. It'd be nothing worse than uh, driving back for two and a half hours after a, after a loss um, against Maroochydore on, on their home turf. So yeah, good job, Cooley. Um, got the job done as we thought they might, but um, yeah, by quite a substantial margin in the end. So. Um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll they'll improve. It's sort of been a bit hard with a few buyers and teams not playing. I know we're at round three, but it's been sort of hard to to, to make a, the most of it. And I think those sides like Mujidor and um, Bond and UQ, uh, if they're going to get those wins, they probably more chance in the earlier part of the season. So um, unfortunately, Mujidor not, not not even getting anywhere near it uh, this time around. Wilston Grange, 18-10-118. Big 99-point winners over Yeronga South Brisbane, three one nineteen. Yeah, massive. Um, well, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for Wilson. They, they sort of haven't really been in the winning circle for uh, since their existence, really, in the competition. So, um, you know, but at the moment, so they should be getting the job done there. They're putting out a, a much superior side on the park than, than any of the other clubs at the moment. So... Um, it's good to good to see for them. Um, it'll just be the matter of uh, how it'll all come at the pointy end of the season. Uh, but that's a massive win over over Yeronga. Um and you know that that it shows they've got a. I might have a few players to come back into the side, but there's a lot of ground to be made up there. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really looking at nearly 100 points um, the difference there. So whether those players coming back in and whether Yeronga can make up the the ground there come. 
come the pointy end of the year and defend their premiership, um, well, who knows? <laughs> and to the final game, well, regardless of the players playing in the game, Bond University can say over the last two weeks they've claimed the scalps of the 2015 and 2016 Quaffle Premiers, uh, knocking, uh, pardon me, should I say, um, yeah, that's right, um, the, uh, the Cooperoo Kings going down to Bond University, 2618 to 2214. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, if you had have asked anyone um, last year or the year before or even at the start of this year, whether they'd be able to knock over either of those sides, um, you know, you'd, you'd be an extremely brave person for predicting so. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, you look at that and you think, wow, that's fantastic. And it is. It's good for them to, to come into the competition and, and chalk up some wins over some sides that have been... Uh, been right up there at the pointy end over the last couple of seasons. Um, obviously, if you look deeper into it, you know it doesn't sort of take too much looking into it to tell that um, they've been completely undermanned the Cooperu and, and Cooley side uh, in comparison to Bond. So, um, you know, a lot of those players that they were playing were were, were pretty much Cooperu players they were playing in the Division Two the year before. So, um, m- massively depleted uh, Cooper side that travelled down there, but. Um, compared to the Cooper side that fronted up on uh, grand final day uh, in September, just gone. But um, uh, it's great, great stuff for, for Bond getting in there and it sees themselves positioned nicely a lot further up the ladder than probably many would have predicted. But it's been a bit of a funny season with uh, AFLW um, taking place. And as I said, it's, it's going to be a ridiculously difficult season to, to predict with um, uncertainty around how many games certain players will play and, and when they where they will be uh, at the pointy end of the season. But um, they got the job done in a very tight tussle uh, down at Bon Uni. Let's have a look ahead to round four. It kicks off uh, this Saturday, 2pm at uh, Jindalee, uh, UQ hosting Bond University. Yeah, look, <laughs> gee, you'd almost have to uh, tip Bond here, wouldn't you? Um, you know, UQ is sort of struggling to put it put it together at the moment and uh, they've definitely lost some calibre um, from from the season previous. I uh, don't don't know. Look, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, if, if the likes of Brianna Conan and, and Shani Webb play um, this game, then you're going to have to go UQ. Um, if they don't, then, you know, Bomb University are, are every chance. But I think, uh, look, it all comes down to those. Team sheet not being released yet. <laughs> Very hard to predict. Um on the on a likelihood that they they probably won't front up this week, uh, I'd say we're going to go for Bon Uni in, in three in a row. How about that? Who would have thought? Belief is a wonderful thing, and uh, at the moment, <laughs> Bond University have got the belief. Let's have a look at uh, Coolangatta Tweed taking on Yoronga South Brisbane at four forty-five. Yeah, look, uh, one of the one of the games that turned into a bit of a, a bit of a friendly rivalry over the last couple of years. Hard to hard to pick. Um, a winner here. You got you got to think that Yoronga's going to bounce back um, any time. They're still putting out some quality players in the park. A lot of girls that haven't played a lot of footy are still um, playing playing at the moment in their in their div, in that uh, Quaffle side. But um, Cooley massive win on the weekend. They've got some found a few found a few quality first year players as well. Some really talented girls um, down there that have come from other codes. So. Being a look to continue to improve. Um, it's it's just really hard to pick winners at the moment. I, I think, and especially without sort of seeing the team sheets. But um, 
I think Cooley at home are going to be too strong for Yoronga, and Yoronga might have to wait another week to find a win. And finally, 4.45pm at Bendigo Bank over Wilston Grange host Maroochydore. Yeah, look, uh, Wilson Grange obviously uh, in a bit of cruise control at the moment. Um, they might use this game at home against Marucci, um, maybe to, to to rest some of those um, AFLW girls uh, and, and rep girls that have been uh, already played a, a couple of games this season. I think this might be the uh, time to maybe let a few of the, the, their depth uh, players come up and play a role, um, you know, which is always handy come the end of the end of the season. You really want to make sure that your depth girls are getting some some time in them um, in in your in your top div side. So it might be a good chance for Wilson. I think they'll still definitely be too strong for Maruchidor on the road, um, but this will be a, a good test to Maruchidor to see if they can bounce back um, from that cool and get a loss against a side who's obviously in the best form in the comp at the moment. And who would have thought a couple of years ago they'd see a Wilston Grange side sitting on top of the table unbeaten? Yeah, hundred percent. Good, good. Shows 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 a lot from their group, I think, and and the club. Um, you know, they they it's it's been a, a build and a, and a rebuild, and I guess the 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 players that are going there are going there for 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 a certain reason. And um, you know, I think what's really probably pleasing from their point of view uh, as well is. All their girls, all those top players are really wanting to play there. They're wanting to be there. They're wanting to play in that colossal side, um, which we're not seeing as much in some of the other sides like the Urongos and the Cooparoo and, and UQ so far. So hopefully those those sides get um, you know their top-tier players wanting to be there and wanting to play um, with their teammates um, at, at the colossal level shortly. But that's what's happening at Wilson Grange and at the moment, and um, they're building on something good and they're going to take a bit of bit of catching up um, from other sides to, to knock them off at the moment. Well, Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we look back at round four of the Bond University QWAFL. Pleasure as always, Pete. Thank you very much. Having a look back now at what happened in round two action in the AFL Canberra first grade women's competition over the weekend. Eastlake 9-9-63 defeated Ainsley 1-1-7. Tuggeron didn't get on the scoreboard while Quimbian racked up 20-14-134. Balconnen 11-6-72 defeated Gungalan 5-1-3. 31. Looking ahead to round three, all games on Saturday, 10 a.m. Balconnen hosts Tugranong, 2.10 p.m. Gungarland hosts Eastlake, and at 3.30 p.m. Quimbian hosts Ainsley. Let's find out what happened over the weekend in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and we've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not bad at all as we hit round four. Let's have a look what happened on Saturday morning. And I think the Western Wolves were still in bed when the game started. They only brought up one point on the scoreboard and the Bulldogs had their way, 17-9-111. Yeah, look, it was a um, obviously a, a really disappointing uh, morning for the Wolves. Um, you know, after after such a promising start in round one, um, the Wolves haven't, haven't had much luck since. Um, I think the Bulldogs would have gone in as everyone's favourites, but I don't think that um, anyone would have predicted them to win by uh, 100 and, 110 points. So, um, I mean, look, obviously they played well. Uh, Corky Ono kicked seven. Uh, GWS Giants player uh, Beck Privatelli kicked five for the, the Bulldogs. Um, and, yeah, look, they just dominated from, from the start. Five goals in the first quarter. 
Um, and yeah, they were they were never headed. And also finished off strong with six in the last. Uh, best players on the day for the Bulldogs were uh, Keely and and, and Corkiano. Um, as said, you know, it's pretty hard not to get named in the best when you kick seven there, isn't it, Peter? Absolutely. You're having a sort of a day when you're kicking almost half your team's score. Um, looking at the next game, I thought it would have been a little bit closer, but the Giants in the end with a 29-point victory over the power, 6-9-45 to 2-4-16. Yeah, look, I, I thought it would be a, a bit of a, a closer game as well. Um, but, you know, when you look back at the results from, you know, last year as well, the uh, the Giants seem to have had the wood over the power sort of, you know, their, their last three meetings. Um, and obviously, you know, playing at their home venue would have been a, a big plus for them. Um, look, uh, you know, the Giants got off to a good start, um, had a 15-point lead at the, the first break, and, um, yeah, we're never headed from there. Um, Mel Brydon was, again, strong up forward for the Giants. She's been a, you know, a consistent player for them over the last couple of years and um, is always always good for a couple of goals. Um, Yatam also chipped in with two of her own, uh, whilst Powell's goal kickers were uh, the captain, Catherine Hull, and and Ree Lotter. So Power would be disappointed after, you know, having a couple of really good games, um, but we'll be looking to get back on the winners list at home uh, this weekend. The Sydney Uni Bombers 2-1-13 going down to Mac Uni 5-3-33. Yeah, look, I mean, that was a, a relatively close game whilst um, obviously still being low scoring. Uh, scores were, were all tied up and, and even at the first break, but then uh, Mac Uni managed to to kick two goals to none uh, in the second quarter to get a, a little bit of a break at half time, and uh, the Bombers just couldn't couldn't keep up with them um, from there. Uh, although the uh, the the Warriors, well, actually, no one kicked a goal um, in the fourth quarter, so it was a yeah very very close affair then. But uh, look, Simone Freeman's had a great start to the year for the McInerney Warriors. Um, leading goal kicker in the comp at the moment. She she bagged a couple on the weekend uh, and was again named in the Warriors' uh, best players, whilst the best players for the Bombers were um, Clegg and War. A thriller at Trumper Park. Shamrocks 5-7-37, falling one point short against Newtown 5-8-38. Yeah, look, we thought this would be a close one and there was nothing in it the whole game. Um, you know the the biggest I think the biggest margin was the the five points that were that the Shamrocks were up by at uh, at quarter time and um, look yeah close contest the whole time really good footy um, obviously the Shamrocks would be disappointed but um you know one of Newtown's uh, most consistent and better players over the last few years Laura Holdsworth um, snapped a snapped a great goal with uh, not long left on the clock to uh, put the breakaways one point up and they held on for a win. So they'd obviously be really happy with that after coming off the loss to power last week, which uh, which would have left the team a bit flat. So, um, But as I said, this just shows how even the competition is, um, it, you know, this early on in the season, Peter. Um, you know, some of the results we're getting, obviously the Wolves and Bulldogs result was a, a bit of a blowout, but, you know, other than that, we've had some really close games this round, and um, I think it's a reflection of, of how far the comp's coming that, um, yeah, we've got a lot more even and competitive games now. Let's look ahead to round five, all games on Saturday, the 5th of May, 10.10am at Waratah Oval. Southern Power hosts the Western Wolves. Yeah, look, I think um, the, the home ground advantage is is definitely going to play into Power's hands there. Um 
they've probably got this season off to a bit better start than the Wolves. Um, so I'm predicting power there uh, by five or six goals. 10.40am at Mahoney Park. Newtown Breakaways host the Sydney Uni Bombers. Yeah, look, this is, is I think, going to be a really close match. Um, obviously, the, the Bombers have, have fallen, um, you know, away a bit in, in terms of their form. Um, I think Newtown have started the year a lot better than they did last year. So I think it's going to be a really close one. Um, and I'm going to tip the uh, the Breakaways in another close one uh, this weekend. 11.10am at Trumper Park. The Shamrocks host the UNSW Bulldogs. Uh, look, I think the the Bulldogs are going to have another win here, uh, not by 110 points, um, but I think they'll win comfortably against the Shamrocks. And finally, at Uni Oval, Macquarie University, 2:40 p.m. Mac Uni hosting the Auburn Penrith Giants. Uh, I think Mac Uni are going to continue their their winning streak. Um, Obviously, as I've mentioned a few times, um, you know, the Giants are a massively improved team over the last sort of 18 months. Uh, but I think being on, on their home turf and, and with their such good start to the season, the Warriors will get another win on the board. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us again on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you again next week to review more AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division football. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter. And uh, good luck with the call of the uh, VFL Women's uh, down in Melbourne this weekend. Now, Alison Schiller isn't available this week to give us a rundown of what happened in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Competition. That's the Community League opposed to the Sandfield W Competition. They're now up and running. Just taking a look back at Division 1 Round 2 results over the weekend. Fitzroy, who were the former uh, West Adelaide Women's Football Club, 3-1-19, went down to Christie's Beach, 10-5-65. Port Adelaide Magpies, 1-4-10, defeated by the Salisbury Magpies, 11-8-74. Or Adelaide University, two straight 12, were beaten by Moore. Morfordville Park, 8-4-52. Looking ahead to round three, all games being played on Sunday, 6th of May at 2pm. Christie's Beach host Adelaide University. At 3pm, Port Adelaide Magpies host Fitzroy. And at 3pm, Morfordville Park host Salisbury. Turning to the Tasmanian State League women's competition and uh, results from round two there. Two games played on Sunday. Glenorchy, 10-15-75, defeated Tigers, no score. Bernie, three behinds, defeated by Launceston, 12-13-85. Clarence having the bye. Round three action, both games on Sunday, 12pm at Blundstone Arena. Clarence host Glenorchy. And at 1pm at Twins Oval, the Tigers host Bernie Launceston Football Club with the bye. Time to turn our attention overseas and find out what's happening in women's footy over there. We had the Australian Rules Football League Island Women's Super Sevens competition round three played over the weekend. And to give us the lowdown on that, we've got Michael Curran on the line. Michael, how are you? Great, Peter. Great to be back on air with you. And great to see you finally playing football again, because if I'm right, I think about a month ago, you were meant to have round three, then came the beast of the east. Oh, stop. Yes, uh, the beast from the east. Exactly. Uh, we had a horrible storm, which um, put the kibosh on round three. Now, w- the weather still is really bad here. We've had the longest winter in a long time. But uh, round three went ahead on Saturday, the 28th, just past which was actually the original scheduled date for round four. So it did go ahead on a scheduled date, but just one round later than it should have been. And we were very fortunate to have a, a lovely day on Saturday. So we had blue skies and a dry ground, which was a unique experience for the girls as well. And just quickly before we jump into the games, can you tell us uh, about the venue that you were playing at in Island Bridge? 
Yeah, so Island Bridge is the the base ground for the Dublin Angels teams. So um, we've played a couple of competitions there now. We've had our draft cup, our inaugural draft cup there back in November, which is where it all started for us. Uh, so it was good to get back there for around this time around. So we've got some great facilities up there and a great pitch and a great surface. And um, hopefully that will be the, the base pitch and ground for the Dublin Angels as we move forward in the year and into the Premiership coming up in the summertime, hopefully. So let's have a look at the games that were played over the weekend. First of all, game one, uh, West Clave uh, wears, I mean, West Clare waves 14-3-87, defeating the Dublin Angels 2-3-15. Yeah, so that was a, that was the first game of the day. We had three clubs participating on Saturday, so everybody played each other twice. So this was the the first of six games, and uh, West Clare Waves definitely came out of the blocks uh, firing on this one. So they clocked up a bit of a score on the Angels. Um, Waves obviously have recently um, won the Champions League in Amsterdam last month, so they're still on a bit of a high from that. Um, so yeah, they got a bit of a jump in the first game. Um, 14 goals, eight of those goals coming from Eilish Constein, which was an unbelievable haul. We had three from Adrian Moore and two from her sister Joanne Moore. So yeah, a great win to get the the ball rolling. Um, the Angels battled hard, and two goals from for Angels coming from uh, Mel Mori and Marie Keating. And they backed it up immediately in game two, defeating Portadown Power eight four fifty two to one behind. Yeah, they kept it going into the second match. Again, um, very strong throughout the, the pitch, very strong running game. And the Waves are getting a bit more used to playing together now. So we had um, it's 4-52 in, in, the, in this game. Rosie Coran scored four. Another three for Eilish Constein, who got a bag full throughout the day. And also for Portadown Power, they were missing a couple of regular list players. And they had three new girls playing their first games. So it was a bit of a, an introduction of fire. But they performed very well. And as you'll see, as we go through the results, things got much better as the day went on. Yeah, in Game 3, they turned it around, beating the Dublin Angels 3-4-22 to 2-3-15. Absolutely, yeah, great. This was this was one of the closer games um, of the day. So the power got a win, which was brilliant for them, 3-4-22 um, to 2-3-15. So um, that was huge, yeah. Again, very evenly contested game, um, tight from start to finish. And the power delighted to get over the line with a win there. And a few players tasting their first ever win, which was great as well. Alish Considine continued her rampage in Game 4, helping uh, the Waves to a victory over the Angels, 5-5-35 to one 2 8 Much better than the, the first games. The Angels, um, a much tighter battle this time around. But again, yeah, Alish kicked four. Um, and uh, Leah Shrubshell getting a goal for the Angels there. Uh, so, and the waves were literally unstoppable on the day, but um, the Angels put on a much better performance and got better with every game as the day went on. Uh, in Game 5, the Waves beat the Power 6-8-44 to 1-1-5-21. A super goal in there. Yes, yeah, our first super goal of the day and our only super goal of the day, so that was scored by Ashley Gillespie for Power. So there was big celebrations on the ground when that one happened. Uh, we don't see too many of them, uh, so it's a great novelty as well. When one does get get scored, Ashling is a, a big kick and she's well able to score long-range goals and she's been fairly consistently kicking goals throughout the competition. Um, I think she's currently second on the goal-kicking table to Eilish Kolstein. So, again, a much closer battle than the teams in, in the earlier round. 6-8-44, uh, a lot of pressure from the power, as you can see there, and that resulted in a lot of um, behinds and wayward kicks for, uh, from the waves and that was really due to the pressure that, that the power were applying. And then the day ended in a draw. Port of Down Power 3422, Dublin Angels 3422. 
Yes, this was one of the cracking games of the day. The two teams were absolutely evenly matched from first ball up right to the final whistle. And it literally went score for score, point for point, goal for goal. So uh, it was level, I think it was one point in at a half time and right to the final whistle. Um, there was nothing to spare. So some great performances again on, on that. Portadown Power had two games from, or two goals from Alice Smith, who actually uh, won their best on ground or was awarded best on ground for the day. She was outstanding throughout the four matches. Uh, one from Liv McCann, who was brilliant all day as well. And then on the Angels side, we had uh, Marie Keating scoring two more. So she got a nice haul for the day, I think, uh, of five goals in total. And Mela Mori as well, kicking in one there. That was literally nip and tuck. And when the final whistle blew on that one, uh, after six games, the players literally collapsed on the field because that took everything they had. So that was, uh, that was a brilliant game to see and a brilliant game to watch. So with the delay to round three, has there been plans yet for round four for location and date? Yeah, so we're, uh, date-wise, it's going to be Saturday the 9th of June. So that was actually just announced to the players on uh, Saturday after the game's finished. So Saturday the 9th of June, and the venue has yet to be confirmed, but it has been scheduled for the Midlands area. So that'll be one of the Midlands cities, more than likely um, Tullamore, Mullingar, Portlaoise, one of those um, towns. So we have our date locked in, and we don't have our venue yet, but we'll update on all the various social media as soon as that decides. So that's actually the final round, round four. So whoever is top of the table at the end of that day is the Airfly W Super 7s 2018 champions. Well, Michael, thank you very much for your time. We look forward to catching up with you in June to find out how round four went and who end up becoming champions of the ARFLI Women's Super 7s competition. Great, Peter. I'll speak to you then. Thanks very much. Skipping across the Atlantic Ocean for just one moment, Montreal headed down to the Big Apple to take on New York in a women's match on the weekend. And it was the Montreal Angels that came away with the one-point win over the New York Magpies. Apparently, New York had a kick on the siren to see if they could win the game, but it didn't make the distance. So Montreal, one-point winners over New York on the weekend. Let's jump back across to the British Isles now and find out what's happening in the AFL London Women's League. The opening round was played for season 2018, and to give us the lowdown on that, we've got on the line Wandsworth Demons coach and the brand-new England Vixens coach, Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, awesome. We can... Uh... See blue skies as far as the eye can see, so London's looking come up a treat at the moment. And congratulations on the Vixens job. Not like you didn't already have enough on your plate. Yeah, yeah, it's something a little bit different. Um, no, yeah, the, the Vixens job won't be won't be too much time involved because we're really it's really building towards one tournament, the Euro Cup. Um, and because players are coming from all over the country, it's not like we're training every week. But yeah, really excited to be involved with the international footy. Um, and yeah, just can't wait for our first training session in about two weeks. Let's have a look at what happened in the AFL London Women's League over the weekend. First of all, to round one in the Premiership, your Wandsworth, your Wandsworth Demons with a very comfortable win, seven four forty six over the West London Wildcats, just the one behind. Yeah, um, we got off to a really good start on the weekend. Um, obviously, we were expecting a pretty tough game because the Wildcats went through undefeated in the Conference League last year. Um, but I think they had a couple of players out there, star player Zoe, she was unavailable and um, they seemed to be, you know, a little bit stretched with numbers, which, you know, probably hurt their cause a little bit. Um, but yeah, from our point of view, couldn't couldn't be more happy with the way the things went on the weekend. A closer game in the other Premiership uh, Conference con- contest, uh, Wimbledon Hawks 3-5-23, defeating South East London Giants 2-2-14. 
Yeah, those guys, um, last year they played you know, a couple of games during the year and in the finals, and I think every time it was really close. Um, last year in the finals, the Giants managed to get a win over the Hawks in the semi, but you know, this year, new season, down at their home ground, the Hawks took the points around one, so they'll be, they'll be ecstatic with that. And um, yeah, no, I think it was Naomi Fernet bagged two goals, so she was a standout performer for the Hawks. Looking to the conference division and the Putney Magpies uh, 117 going down to the London Swans 3523. Yeah, um, the Swans, they're, they're the team I think will be the team to beat. So they'll be happy to get their season off to a, a good start. Um, as you can see, a couple of low scoring games in the weekend, but we had some pretty pretty tricky conditions. It rained a lot overnight on Friday. Uh, it was pretty windy on Saturday as well. So, first game of the year, everyone's still a bit rusty. I think it was a bit of a slow start for a few teams. And in the other game, it was the reserves of the Wildcats and the Demons uh, going to battle. And again, it was Wandsworth that got the chocolates 4 6 30 to no score. Yeah, again, I think that just came down to probably our squad being a bit deeper at the moment. Um, I noticed a few of the Wildcats girls had to back up for two games in the weekend. Obviously, that's not ideal. You know, but you know, they fought it out really well. Um, their back line was Chloe Beck and Christina. They were really strong. Um, but again, from our point of view, we couldn't be happier with the start of the season to go through both games. And then we can see one point was actually just, yeah, a well above expectations. So awesome start for the Demons. So what's the fixture looking like for round two, which if I'm correct, you have this weekend off and then you're back the weekend after? Yeah, that's it. We have the uh, the early May bank holiday. So every time there's a bank holiday or a public holiday, um, AFL London will usually schedule a, a lead by just because the nature of people wanting to travel and you know, pop across to Europe and enjoy the sunshine. So... A uh, week off footy, uh, refresh the body, and then in the Premiership division, uh, so we, the Demons, will host the Lions. Now, I think based on the past 12 months, I think that would be my two picks to be in the grand final end of the year if, if things go to plan. So, uh, you know, the, the, the Lions will be fired up for a win after we managed to get a win over them in the pre-season cup. So anything's possible. It's really early in the season, and obviously they're coming off a bye, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the other Premiership game... That will be interesting too. That's the Hawks versus the Wildcats. So, yeah, obviously, the Hawks are coming off a win. Um, you know, really strong team with a really, really solid defense. Wildcats coming up from the conference division. Went through undefeated last year. Probably didn't get the start to the premiership season they'd hoped for this year. But, um, look, anything, you know, anything's possible early in the season. I reckon that one could go right down to the wire. And how about in the conference division? Yeah, in the conference division, uh, we've got so the Putney Magpies versus West London Wildcats. Um, both those teams obviously had a loss in round one. Um, so that, that's a really tough one again to pick a winner. Last year, Putney weren't able to chalk up a win, uh, but it just seems like every week they get stronger and stronger. So I reckon this is the week. I'm backing Putney to get their first ever win this week against the Wildcats. Um, but obviously, you know, anything can happen. Um, probably one thing that will go against the Wildcats this week as well is the two women's sides are playing at different different locations just because the draw is a bit uneven at the moment. Um, so that probably stretches them a bit further with the players and their resources. So yeah, probably Putney is a pick there. And then uh, the other game in the conference is the Demons Reserves versus the Swans. Obviously, there are two winners from round one. So you know, I think, again, I think that game is, again, probably preview of the top two teams in the league. Um, last year, they played each other three times for a win each. And a draw. Um, both seem to you know, improve over the off season, and I think the Swans will be the team to beat. So, 
I mean, whatever happens, I'm sure it'll be close. But um, even with my demon talent, I think the forms of the team to beat this weekend or next weekend. Well, Mitch, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks' time to have a look back at uh, round two no of the AFL London Women's League. Will do. Great to speak again, Peter. Cheers. It's now time for our VFLW season preview for 2018. Our live coverage kicks off this Sunday, the 6th of May, as we bring you Essendon versus Hawthorne from Windy Hill. Pre-game show starts at 12 o'clock. First bounce at 1 p.m. And it's my great privilege to have on the line my co-caller and Matthew Cox to go through each and every team and how their chances will fare for this year. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? Oh, it's a great privilege to be back on the line with you, Pete, previewing another big 2018 VFL women's season. There's been a fair bit of change since the last time we talked State League Victorian football, so uh, there's a fair bit of news to get through. Indeed, uh, only, in a sense, three original teams remain from those that started the VFLW in 2016. Darabin as a standalone, Melbourne Uni, still with their name, but closely aligned with North Melbourne, and the VU Western Spurs, but they're playing under the brand of Western Bulldogs in the VFLW competition. A lot of other things have happened. We'll get to that as we go along. But let's jump into having a quick look at some of the teams in the competition, including uh, some of the players they may have picked up, some familiar names that we know from VFLW or AFLW. Coxie, I'm going to start with the Southern Saints, and it's very important to tell people. Some some look at this and go, oh, is, is this the St Kilda Sharks and they've rebranded? No, it's nothing to do with the St Kilda Sharks. They've gone down to the AFL Southeast competition. This is essentially the St Kilda AFL club, but they're kind of playing partly out of Sandringham, partly out of Frankston, so they're using the southern name to, I guess, cover the broader region. Yeah, and I believe that there is also some involvement with the Frankston Dolphins uh, mm. playing a small role with the Southern Saints as well, hence the the connection with uh, Skybus Stadium in, in Frankston. So there's a, a logical link there. And also, um, they've essentially taken over, from what I understand, the licence from Seaford in 2000 from 2017 so again that connection to the southeast region or um is what the southern saints now have and uh they're using a lot of talent from that region a lot of local players uh we've been told are, are on that list for 2018 their senior coach though is a very very familiar face to not only victorian women's football but women's football in general and that's Peter Searle, um, who has spent a few years away from women's football, developing her skills with the, the St Kilda men's side as a as an assistant coach there. Um, she returns to the landscape of women's football and no doubt will do a great job at the helm of the Southern Saints. From their playing list, I guess the face of their playing list for the moment has been the ex-Collingwood AFLW footballer. She played as an injury replacement for Kendra Hile in the 2017 season, uh, formerly out of Seaford, Georgia Walker. Yeah, one of the probably only recognisable names that we know at this stage that will be lining up for the Southern Saints. And we know that Seaford's list, if we rewind back a year, wasn't that strong. Um, we know that there's quite a fair bit of depth 
uh, down in the, the southeast region of female football. It's probably one of the, the stronger regions, um, and we discussed that numerous times about how lucky Seaford was to have that advantage. Now that shifts across to the southern states. So they have Georgia Walker, who was originally from Seaford and also has a bit of AFLW experience leading up the player aspect of that Saints list um, will be vitally important, not only for them in terms of providing some sort of leadership on the field, but also that uh, little bit of AFL experience. It's not a great deal, but it's, it's enough to get things going. And as well, we should throw out names that we have known from the likes of the um, Seaford Tigerettes, such as Danielle Lawrence, uh, Jazz Rowland, names that we've called uh, many of times uh, through the divisions as the Seaford uh, Tigerettes uh, did come up. Um, Steph Bender as well, who is uh, coming out of the Eastern Devils, if I'm correct. So they picked up a handful of players here and there, but they haven't managed to attract the real big-name AFLW players like the other clubs have, even if they've only picked up three or four. And I guess it's almost like the problem that Frankston VFL men's had trying to attract players to come that far southeast, particularly when a lot of of, uh, female footballers live very close to inner city Melbourne or work or study in inner city Melbourne. Yeah, it's an issue that we've discussed a fair bit um, in our uh, match of the day broadcasts over the years that the fact that those sides that are located in um, the outer suburban fringe um, there's not a hell of a lot to draw them there on the flip side of the coin though obviously um, the Saints themselves are looking to establish uh, a women's football program going forward with their AFLW aspirations so Building a base of, of players in that region, developing them the way that they want to develop. I don't mind the approach. I noticed that there's a few other clubs that are, are taking a similar rep- approach in 2018 to the VFLW competition and promoting that second tier of, of players coming through. So, again, expanding the talent pool, which needs to be done as the AFLW uh, expands over the coming seasons. So I don't mind the approach. Um, Similar in a way to the Box Hill Hawks in Mm. 2017 in the VFL women's competition, they only had one AFLW-listed player, uh, Melissa Kyes, on on their list last year. And they were competitive towards the end of the season. So just because you haven't got any standout stars doesn't mean – um, you're not going to be successful, but it is going to be, a, well, a, a little turbulent early on. Now, the Carlton Football Club, who will be fielding a VFLW side, have put out a partial list so far of their 2018 VFLW players. Now, of course, we know that um, uh, they still haven't confirmed what AFLW players will be playing, and I guess that's because there was a little bit of if we're to believe some media reports, uh, tension or going-ons behind the scene, because they were with a period where Damien Keeping left or were out of, without a coach. Daniel Harford's only just been hired last week, so I guess no doubt he's talking behind the scene of not only the brutal reality of players that he needs to cut and wants to cut, but those that might have thought of leaving that he's obviously trying to have conversations with to say, stay at our club. Yeah, and it's also... You know, for all the, the AFLW clubs involved in the VFLW in 2018, the biggest um, thing that I, I think or I believe we are going to see over the course of this season is the, the management of those players because 
A lot of them have been training since late last year. They were involved in a, in a uh, state league campaign last year as well. So they've played a lot of footy over the last 18 months and managing their uh, conditioning over the next probably eight to, to 12 months as they prepare for the next AFLW season is is the other factor, I believe, that some of the clubs like Carlton, Collingwood, that we'll get to in a moment, that they'll just have to be careful with. So I know, I, I believe it's you can only play 12 AFLW players um, but have any number on the list. So that, that'll be something to keep a close eye on who they actually select week in, week out, and how many games those AFLW players do play. But for the Carlton side of things, I do notice that uh, they have uh, signed a couple of players that have come across from the Rugby Sevens program uh, that have played for Australia, Chloe Dalton and Brooke Walker are those two players that have come across. So another couple of code crosses, um, if we can call them that, um, joining the ranks of the VFL women's and no doubt putting their hand up for the 2019 AFLW season. I'm interested to see the amount of uh, South Australian players that have come over to play. Christy Harvey from Adelaide University, Caitlin Williams from South Adelaide, Nicola Burns from Adelaide University and Luella McCarthy, who is out of West Adelaide's uh, Adelaide Football League women's team. You look at that and you go, that's four South Australian players. Not only is it obviously good for Carlton, but you've got to, I guess, on a side note, worry a little bit for the Adelaide Crows going after Sophie Lee left last year and Courtney Gunn went up to New South Wales. That's a few players starting to leak across to the border that's coming out of their draft pool. Yeah, it's, you'd, they'd be wanting to hang on to them as much as possible. But at the end of the day, it's all about strengthening women's football in general and we know that the Victorian State League competition is still up there in terms of providing the level of competition or the closest level of comp- competition to the AFLW. So a lot of players will be putting their hand up to be participating in the VFL women's season um, to, to get that conditioning and to, to get that experience of being involved in really competitive football. And we're taking South Australians. I think a few South Aussies might be shaking their fists going, they've been doing it since Bradley and Kernahan. <laughs> <laughs> so let, yeah, good old Carlton name. <laughs> let's have a look. Uh, Yuronga Queensland's Courtney Bromwich has come across. And also a former Fremantle footballer, uh, originally from Swan Districts, uh, Kurt McCure-Chout, otherwise known as Susan Chout, um, who played uh, one year for Fremantle. That was in the 2017 season. A, a light, uh, thin-bodied ruck. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they use her in the ruck or if they're going to try and use her as a mobile tool, maybe in defence. It'll be it's interesting to see her development uh, through the VFLW competition this season. Yeah, and there's a few players to sprinkle, but again, from that second tier of the uh, state league competition in 2017, Kimberly Canuccio, previously playing for the Cranbourne Footy Club. Caroline Hardiman from the VU Western Spurs is also named on the list. Selena Carr. Carlson from the Seaford Footy Club is also alongside Caitlin Cox, who was also at the Tigerettes last year. That is the Carlton Football Club. Moving across to Darabin, the reigning premiers, and uh, we haven't seen their full list released as yet, but we can tell you plenty of news coming out of players that will be missing. The Western Bulldogs had announced that on their list will be Katie Brennan. We had mailed that Katie was probably going to miss this VFLW season anyway because she's had an ankle reconstruction. But um, either way, to say that she is now 
on the list for the Bulldogs in the VFLW means that um, she's done and dusted for her playing career at Darabin. Not to say that she won't go back and coach or, or do some of the junior programs someday down there. But from a playing perspective, um, Katie Brennan's left Darabin. We've also got reports that Daisy Pierce is going to sit out the season. Um, and I think she's played, I think, 10 to a dozen years. So um, probably well and truly deserved a rest. Um, other players that you would look at is um, uh, I've heard talk, even though it's not officially on the Carlton list, I've heard talk that maybe Lauren Arnell and Darcy Vessio will play for the Blues. But obviously there's still a lot going on behind scenes um, and that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, Melissa Hickey will not be playing for Darren. She'll be assistant coaching, but obviously because of her ACL, that's uh, ruled her out. Um, one of the players that we do know that will be playing for Darabin, and she's made it known, is Asta O'Connor. And uh, they'll be glad because Big Asta can play anywhere, and she may have to play everywhere. Yeah, well, we saw her in the practice match up at Ballarat for the Western Bulldogs, where she basically was everywhere and did a dominant performance. But that's it's the unknown about the Darabin Falcons for so long, and even uh, coming into last season, I think we we all put a question mark over how they would go in 2017 with uh, the impact of AFLW and the management of their players. This year, I think, is going to strain them a little bit further, given that there are players that have now departed the club. Um, you've rattled off most of the players there that uh, I've heard of have left. So um, I think uh, is uh, Birch, I think, Libby Birch. Uh, Double. Uh, also left for the Western Bulldogs. So... Um, there's a lot of gaps now in the list. And when we saw Darabin early last year, when they were managing their AFLW players, they didn't look confident. They looked like they'd lost a little bit of their structure. And it took them, I think, five or six rounds before they started to get some consistency and rhythm back into their game. And I'd expect a similar sort of thing to happen because there are some very significant gaps that will be missing from that Falcon side. I still think they're going to be competitive, and I still think that given that there is a, a level of consistency uh, with their coaching group and playing group, um, again, at that second-tier level, I, I think they will be competitive, but whether they can reach the heights of another grand final is the bit that I'm very doubtful of. Yeah, I think they've been hurt, and I think it's showed, I think, in some of their Northern Football League results as well. So um, their depth has been hurt big time, and uh, there was a lot of speculation when Darabin was going around uh, this year, this would be the last year, particularly when Diamond Creek and Eastern Devils and St Kilda Sharks all bowed out, that, you know, the, the will to continue on the battle as a standalone club, and, and I've got a feeling if... Uh, if, the, if they're struggling to recruit players, because you, you also take out of the picture Ebony Marinoff, who starred for them last year when she came across, played half a season. Obviously, she's not back this year. Um, if they do have some poor results this year, then I think um, they'll then take the bow and say, OK, it's time to, uh, it's time to uh, join the others at the suburban level. And there's also a bit of pressure on their shoulders it feels like we're creating this big uh, boulder putting on their shoulders at the moment for the Darabin Falcons but they are the last remaining independent women's football side Williamstown have obviously come in, the in and they're an independent yeah. club but Darabin are the last women's 
football club, independent football club. They aren't aligned with any AFL club. They don't receive any assistance with that. They are the last if of that, uh, the amateur type of club um, that has existed for a long period of time, being a long pioneer for women's football in Victoria. On one hand, it's great. It's fantastic that they are going around again. And uh, I, I am, uh, in, in a way, happy because there is that link to the history of the competition that does remain. Um, but it, it may come at a cost. And as you say, they may find it difficult. Having said that, we've written Darabin Falcons off I don't know how many times over mm. the last couple of years. And they've always rebounded. They are, they are a resilient football club and they do have that culture of success. So I'm I'm putting a pencil line through them, but I'm not putting the red borrow through them no. just yet because I, I do think there's still a glimmer of hope that the Darabin Falcons can be all-conquering once again. And for the record, if they do continue on in the State League in 2019, it would be a Herculean effort, and I'd certainly stand up and applaud them if they're able to do that. The reason why I say, and I write them off this year, is when we looked at them last year, when they looked vulnerable, it's when they rested about four key players. They were doing that rotation of giving players a break. When they rested about four key players per game, they were winning or they'd lose one or two, and that's when they looked vulnerable. They're going to be losing more than four key players this time around. Their depth's going to be challenged. Might not end up on the bottom of the ladder. They may take out some sides, but I'd say that, including some sides that are stacked with more AFLW talent and sides possibly like Geelong, who are going to be humming this year, getting ready for AFLW next year, I just feel that this is this is the year the slide happens. It, it's, it's sad to see if it happened for such a great club, but... We're in a new world and a new competition and all the marbles are being thrown up in the air. Um, Let's move on and have a look at the NT Thunder who've uh, announced that they've got a bunch of Darwin players, as expected. They're throwing into the mix some Adelaide-based Crows players and for some added spies, how about two GWS Giants who were their original marquees in 2017? Yeah, uh, Emma Swanson and Renee Forth joining the Northern Territory side. And as you said, there's about... 18 players, I believe, that uh, are on the Adelaide list. Some based in Adelaide, some based in the Northern Territory. So it's a similar split to how the Adelaide Crows operate. There'll there'll be players that are are scattered across uh, the country that they'll be looking to bring together on weekends and perform. I know that uh, it's recently been announced that Angela Foley will be the captain of the Northern Territory Thunder for 2000. 18. So congratulations to her. And you mentioned her before. She's the part of the Darabin Falcons. She's the 2017 Rising Star. Ebony Marinoff is also on the Northern Territory Thunder list. So a couple of big names uh, have joined the Thunder in their first season in the Victorian Football League women's competition. And may I just applaud for the moment the NT Thunder. Them, along with Williamstown, who we'll get to shortly, um, most of the sides that have put up lists have just essentially put photo, name, jumper number. Some have put what original club they came from, some put just date of birth, and that's it. Incredibly basic details. The NT Thunder have put first name, surname, club they're from, position, and about the player as well, such as if you read 
from the top, Lucy Adam, Darwin Buffaloes. Inside midfielder, no fast, hard-working mid that brings players into the game by a hard work and clean use of the ball by hand. I love that, particularly in essentially what... This is essentially a new competition with all the brand-new sides that have been brought in. Nobody knows anything. People are asking questions. Who should I be looking out for? Because this is all brand-new to have that information there, not just for us commentators, but for supporters to look at, to get an idea about, oh, who are going to be the key players? Who are the star players? Who should I be looking out for? Well done, Thunder. And Weemstown have also done a similar thing. Yeah, it's fantastic, particularly for the uh, for the Thunder, who are based in another state. Um, so the information that we know about the players that will be playing week in and week out is a little limited unless you spend a lot of time digging for, for information. So to be able to put that on the front page and dish it up on a platter is makes it easy for, for us to, to research who's playing. But it is fantastic information and well done for them for uh, for making it so easily available. And even just the, the general media, you talk about Williamstown and you can add the, the Northern Territory Thunder and there's been a few other clubs that have, have done it as well. But actually promoting on social media and across digital media channels, the fact that they are in the the VFL women's competition in 2018 and and gathering that momentum because that was the thing that I was worried about heading into this season is do we still or will we still have the supporter base that we have seen rusted on to so many of uh, the clubs like the Sharks, the Devils, the Creakers over the years? Will that supportive base move? And and it's great to see that some of the clubs are activating and, and really pushing hard to, to try and build a bit of excitement heading into the season. It's fantastic to see. And on a side note, if the Northern Territory Thunder are interested, more than happy to come up and call the game if they pay for it. Yeah, yes, just pay for the flights and accommodation and meals and bar tab and we'll be all happy. Don't forget the bar tab. I uh, should also mention as well that um, players to keep an eye out for that I'll throw in there, Taylor Thorne, who was an ex-Crows player, um, didn't play in 2018. Uh, she plays for St Mary's out of Darwin. She will be in that side. That's one name to uh, try and keep an eye on yeah, uh, when you're looking out for the NT Thunderside when they do play their occasional games in Victoria. Of course, they've got their opening game against... Uh, Darwin at Preston City Oval uh, this week. Uh, other names as well. Lucy Adam, we mentioned, is the captain of the um, uh, Darwin Buffets, even though they're officially known as the uh, Buffaloes there. Uh, Amy Chittick as well from Waratah. Amy actually played in that exhibition game for Melbourne a couple of years ago at the MCG against the Lions. So she's another well-known footballer as well. Um, so they've certainly got uh, some uh, good quality players that can complement the Crows and... Um, I guess depending on what sides they send over, they could be, and particularly for Victorian sides early that may not have it together early, i.e. maybe Darabin in game one, they could rack up some big wins early. Yeah, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a big result, especially considering that the core group of players are from the Adelaide Crows or have been together at the Adelaide Crows. So they know each other. There's a bit of a connection there. There's a bit of chemistry. So... In terms of, of getting that culture right, they're well down that path. The the issue is, as we've, we've seen with Adelaide, or though it hasn't been that big of an issue, is the, the fact that they are spread across the country. And so bringing them together, and, and obviously when they've got to play in Victoria as well, transporting and, and flying in, um, that will be the, the big issue, especially as the season wears on and it gets a little chillier here in Melbourne. 
Yes, it'll be interesting to see how they get used to that weather. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, Victorians go when they fly up uh, in the middle of the year to the stinking hot Darwin heat and go, oh, okay, this is, this is uh, something that we're not used to. Yes, oh, I know I'd go quite well, um, but <laughs> if you're play, playing out on the ground, uh, I think it would be a very different story. Hey, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Um, so let's have a look, continue to have a look through at the size. Now, Collingwood, we've seen actually very little out from. We've uh, checked their page. We couldn't find anything on their VFLW. We do know, obviously, Penny Kula-Reed is coaching them this year, not in a playing coaching role, just in a standard uh, coaching uh, position. She's picked up a number of players out of the VAFA that she was talking about. We do know that a handful of AFLW players um, won't play at Collingwood, such as Jess Duffin's playing out at Williamstown. I think Joe Garner's also playing out uh, to Williamstown. Mick Hutchins, who was delisted, is now obviously playing at Hawthorne. But you've got players such as, and I kind of saw a cryptic tweet from uh, from Chloe Malloy saying, itching for this Sunday. So I don't know if she's going to watch or if she's actually going to run out there for the Magpies this Sunday. You've got the likes of Steph Kiochi. Now, the question is, will she play many games? She's obviously been playing for a long time with Diamond Creek. Will she do a daisy and say, oh, I just might take the winter off and enjoy it? Or will she be itching to put the boots on and run out there with the um, Collingwood VFLW side. So there's a handful of Collingwood names that haven't appeared at other clubs, which you would suspect would run around. And another one I'll throw at you as well is um, uh, Darcy Guttridge, who, of course, we saw in that practice game when she um, did her shoulder. Um, sitting out that AFLW season, she'll be primed and ready to go. Hopefully she should be all healed by now. So we could expect a big VFLW season for her if she stayed put in Melbourne. Yeah, as you said, though, it's at this stage, we're not really sure how many of those AFLW players are going to be selected on that list. I do know that there is quite a strong connection between the Collingwood Footy Club women's um, team and the Oakley Chargers in the TAC Cup girls competition. So I'd, I'd expect that there'd be some sort of pathway or connection there for, for players um, that are that are of age and are able to step it up into the state league competition to be participating with the Collingwood VFLW side in 2018. But they have got a, a fairly capable coach on their hands, Penny Killer-Reed, of course. She uh, is a former St Kilda Sharks captain, um, inspirational leader and a real that real staple across halfback. She's not playing... Uh, in 2018, which is a little bit disappointing. I think she probably had maybe one or two years left in her, um, and she probably would have been useful too with the leadership and experience if they they are going to put a young side out on the park. But uh, they, they, whoever is on that list, when it does get confirmed, they are in very capable hands. Indeed they are. Let's have a look at uh, the Weemstown Football Club. They've picked up a handful of Diamond Creek players and just going by a uh, very rough count, they've picked up a dozen players from the St Kilda Sharks. Let me rattle off these St Kilda Shark players for you. Rebecca Dardengo, Shaley Murphy-Burke, who played, I think, a year at the St Kilda Sharks, Emily Paterno, Amanda Walsh, uh, Rachel Champong, who, of course, we knew in the ruck. Belinda Haightley um, there. You can throw in Georgia Harris. Caitlin Belshaw played at the Sharks. Sarah Chapman, a former St Kilda Sharks captain, also added to that list. Jasmine Garner, star forward with the St Kilda Sharks last year and almost guided them to a grand final. 
And uh, finally, you can throw in there Jenna Bratton as well. So the cre- almost the cream of the crop. Um, and a few ex-players on the St Kilda Sharks said, Whoop, we're up and going off to Williamstown because we don't have a home now. And those that have come in from Diamond Creek that I was talking about, you throw in Jess Duffins, very safe pair of hands. You throw in Stacey Cross as well. Caitlin Smith is a, another name. Um, so a, 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 Anna Saxton as well. A handful of Diamond Creek players find themselves by the bay. Yeah, it's a handy list that the Williamstown Footy Club have pulled together. I think early stages we were a bit nervous with some of the announcements that were made and thinking, oh, are, are they are they building a, a, a solid list or are they just throwing a heap of players together? And it's turned out that they have built a very, very solid list. And as you said, they've they've brought in quite a few St Kilda Sharks. So again, that culture aspect and that knowing each other and getting that rhythm going will be that little bit easier considering there's a few numbers there that they can bring in and hopefully gel. And there's also a, a little bit of a connection back to the St Kilda Sharks, which, uh, which will... Uh, hopefully live on with the Williamstown Footy Club. But, uh, yeah, as you said, they dominate the list. And having some really important players in there, you already mentioned Jasmine Garner and Jenna Brutton. For me, they are the the two exciting players of women's football coming through the the system. They are absolute guns. I've compared Garner previously to Katie Brennan and being on that path in terms of the talent that she has to offer and Jenna Brutton is just a superstar in the midfield I think we only got a little glimpse of her during the AFLW season uh, but we know what she can do at state league level so looking forward to seeing her perform for the Williamstown Football Club in 2018 and you mentioned before she's a former captain of the Sharks and she's been named captain of Williamstown well done to Sarah Chapman. And let's have a look at the Western Bulldogs, who, again, as we mentioned earlier, are the VU Western Spurs uh, going under the Western Bulldogs name, but with a bunch of Bulldogs AFLW players. Obviously, the Spurs players that don't get selected go down and play with the VU Western Spurs in their Division 1, 2 and 3 Northern Football League sides. But uh, their list, which I did have for a moment and then I uh, crossed out of, I think you should have there. Um, one of the interesting names on it, obviously, is Ali Blackburn because most thought, OK, she'll probably play this year with Melbourne Uni again. But maybe because of the North Melbourne ties, she says, no, I'm I'm with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'll read into that what you will in terms of uh, she's staying, well, uh, Blackburn staying at the Western Bulldogs uh, long term um, or whether she will move back to North Melbourne. I think given uh, she's named on the VFLW list for the Western Bulldogs, I think Ellie Blackburn is safe at the Bulldogs, personal opinion only, I will say. But I do also notice that Deanna Berry and Monique Conti are listed on the Bulldogs list and Bailey Hunt, previous players uh, for the Muggers. So they are staying put at uh, the Western Bulldogs. You can add to that Hannah Scott, uh, who, of course, plays for the Western Bulldogs in the AFLW competition, um, formerly of the Eastern Devils. So she comes across to uh, the Bulldogs' side. Some other names as well, Tiana Ernst, Ashley Guest, um, uh, Ashley Gunn, uh, just some of the names. Bree White is named on the VFLW squad, which is interesting because she, we she, saw her retire yeah. from the Collingwood Football Club and I was 
uh, under the impression that she'd retired from football completely. So good to see that if she is listed, that she does play a few games for the Western Bulldogs. And and is my memory correct? Tara Morgan, wasn't she on the Collingwood list? I believe she might have been. You're stretching my memory there too. But I can tell you that she's definitely on the Bulldogs list. And Hayley Wilds, of course, who was formerly a um, a Cranbourne player, is going to be on the Bulldogs list as well. So... um, They've strengthened that list, but like we, we said at the top of the program, we said it, it, it all comes down to are they going to run out there and play all these AFLW players? They're capped at 12, the maximum, but um, it's a case of, you know, it looks like Brennan will sit out the season. Will Blackburn sit out the season? Will she play? Will Lachlan sit out the season? Will Conti sit out part of the season because of basketball? Will she play the full season? A lot, a lot of questions there to be asked that list. Another name that I did spot there, it's a very familiar name. I'll need to do my research, but if it might be Nicole Paul, former mm-hmm. Diamond Creek footballer, very handy halfback. That is the same Nicole Paul, who, if I'm right, I think sat out after she did her knee in 2015, sat out because of the knee, and I think she might have had a baby as well. She is, um, she's, if that's true, that Diamond Creek and Nicole Ball being at the Western Bulldogs, a very handy halfback player and could be just trying to find a way to get drafted for 2019. Yes, yes, I do remember uh, that name. It was a, a little while ago, but yes, a very handy player for, for the Creekers. The other, the other thing I will mention is obviously... The Western Bulldogs is essentially the, the VU Western Spurs with the name over the top and obviously these key players coming back down from the Bulldogs AFLW program. If you rewind back to 2017, the VU Western Spurs were competitive. What they lacked was the class and the polish of the other elite sides of the competition. That was the gap. That was the difference between the VU Western Spurs and your Melbourne Unis and your Darabins. Now that they've got those players, I don't think it really matters how many of those AFLW players play week in, week out. The fact that they've got a little more experience and a little more smarts, footy smarts and a little more polish in that side makes me think that they could be there or thereabouts come season's end especially given that they are under the leadership of Debbie Lee as well. Indeed, something to think about because Debbie Lee will be coaching that side like she coached the uh, VU Western Spurs last year. The Richmond Tigers, very little coming out of the Tigers camp. There's sporadic announcements here, there and everywhere. They haven't uh, really talked about many big gun names. I mean, the, the the biggest name that I can see on their list is Lauren Tessieriero. Tessieriero, I'll get that correct. Lauren Tessieriero, <laughs> and they've said former Collingwood AFLW player. So reading between the lines, it sounds like she was uh, delisted uh, from them. So uh, that that is interesting to see, unless she's put the hand up retired. But I think she's being delisted. Um, I was looking at the report from their Anzac Challenge uh, Cup win game where they won by uh, 12 points. They're mentioning players like um, Dempsey, impressive along the wing, uh, utility Emma Gunn, industrious as she picked up 11 disposals, eight kicks plus four inside 50s. Looks like they're probably going down the St Kilda path because they're both due to come into the competition in 2020. It seems like they're going for a lot of new 
and younger players to build up their side. I mean, there's some experience. Jess Kennedy in there out of Bendigo. Uh, Trisha Muller, who was out of the Eastern Devils. But uh, unlike some of the other sides, and, you know, very similar to St Kilda, um, hardly any big names. Yeah, and a lot of their talent pool, uh, by the looks of things, is coming from that central Victorian region, specifically Bendigo and the Bendigo Thunder. There's a lot of players coming through that pathway. But uh, as you said, similar to, to the St Kilda path that they're going down, they're, they're picking again from that second-tier down group of players and, and trying to get something or build the foundations for a side in the AFLW competition in a couple of years' time. So, again, it's probably going to be a, a difficult start for them in 2018 for the early rounds. Towards the back end of the year, if, if they go down the similar development path that uh, Box Hill, who are now Hawthorne, um, went down in 2017, then they should be okay if they can develop a, a good group of players. And having said that, Bendigo Thunder are a fairly handy side. Indeed, and they are still uh, doing it quite comfortably in the Northern Football League competition. So some good uh, players to recruit out of there. So they will give it a little bit of strength. The question is, is it enough strength to try and get them through the season and take on some of the sides that have got uh, quite a smattering of AFLW players? Okie dokie, let's have a look at uh, what's going on with the Cats. They've announced their leadership group, and uh, some names are familiar, including uh, Beck Goring, who's going to return as captain for a second consecutive season. Renee Goring's going to take up the vice-captaincy. Ailey Travine back again. Rochelle Cranston won't be playing for Casey. She'll be playing for Geelong. Anna Teague won't be playing for Casey, playing for Geelong. Kate Darby again running around. And one of the other big names, former St Kilda Shark, Mia Ray Clifford is uh, part of the leadership group for the Cats. Yeah, donning the the hoops for 2018. Good to see that she's got another opportunity with the Cats and no doubt will be trying to get on the uh, AFLW list after playing a season with Melbourne in 2017. So we wish her all the best in 2018. Uh, Under the leadership of Paul Hood, who during uh, the off-season has been announced as the AFLW coach, for the Geelong Cats. Um, so no doubt we'll be looking to build that side heading into 2019. For me, these guys, uh, they can do nothing wrong. Uh, they had a fantastic 2017 season. It looks like they've kept the core group together. Um, they've got all their big, or a majority of their big names returning back to Cadinia Park, which is fantastic. So, my tip is watch out for the Cats in 2018 because I reckon they're going to be pretty much unstoppable. Indeed, I think they will actually go for the flag. I think I think they will win the flag. I reckon Williamstown will challenge them. But at this early stage, my prediction is on the Cats because they're rearing for things to go for the National League in 2019. So about rearing for things to go, Melbourne Uni, a.k.a. North Melbourne, um, again, they haven't put out their full list. We know that Emma Carney is going to be um, obviously playing for North Melbourne in 2019. What they have mentioned without their list being out at the moment is 
very similar to North Melbourne for AFLW, is that Melbourne Uni will have their core players and they're going to sprinkle it with a handful of Tasmanian players throughout the season. So I think that's why there's a delay there on the list because they're waiting to obviously find out who they want to take out of the Tasmanian pool and who and when they're going to fly across and who's available and all that. And plus as well, giving um, a certain amount of um, Melbourne Uni players a break because I think the one thing that we talked about last year was Melbourne Uni players, unlike the other sides, not getting a break and they looked physically and mentally exhausted by the end of the season. Yeah, they they, they were cooked, to, to be frank with you. They... Um... Basically, the, the last half of the, the season was a write-off. Just all their, their players. And the, the other issue was that, that, that Melbourne Uni, despite having quite a versatile side, once you started to take a few of those key players out who missed through injury, um, their, their structure just fell apart. Um, so it made it really difficult towards the back end of the, the season for them to just get anything going, which was disappointing because I think coming into last year, Melbourne Uni was probably, well, in, in my books, were, were rated the premiership favourites. Um, and, and unfortunately, they, they crumbled towards the end of the season. Having said that, and, and knowing that there there is a few players that won't be on their list, we mentioned before Blackburn and, and Lachlan and Berry being some of those, they have brought in a fairly handy recruit. Former Diamond Creek coach Scott Gowans has taken the helm, of course, of the North Melbourne Football Club, but it also means he'll be coaching the Muggers in 2018. And I reckon after seeing what he did with the Creekers in 2017, watch out for the Muggers in 2018 because he brought together a group at Diamond Creek that had come off a, an incredibly difficult season. They were injury-ravaged. They'd finished well down the ladder. Um, he brought them together, brought in a bit of experience to the group, uh, improved the structures, developed players on the way through. Um, watch out because I reckon he's about to do a similar thing with the Muggers. And again, that second group of players I'd be looking at uh, to develop in 2018, and I think that's where the growth for the Muggers is going to come from. And just quietly, he brought a couple of Creekers with him as well. Ash Riddell, who I thought I saw an article somewhere suggesting that she was captain for this year. I could be wrong because I can't find that article anymore. <laughs> and also brought across a player I thought was very stiff not to get picked up in last year's draft, Sophie Apatangelo. Yes, yes. It was a shock not to see her name on a list. Well, actually, a shock to see both of their names not on an AFLW list in 2018. Um, so I reckon they might be donning the, the blue and white stripes come 2019 if they keep going the way they're going, um, and especially that they've got that link with Scotty Gowans. But uh, two good players, and we'll add to that midfield slash forward uh section of the ground for, for the muggers which is an area that they needed to work on they needed a bit more midfield depth and i think they needed a couple of other options up forward so who knows what will happen uh, with some of those additions in 2018 
Let's just jump ahead to the KC Demons, who, uh, of course, are the VFL partner of the Melbourne Football Club. Uh, the obvious name not playing for them is Daisy Pierce, like she's not playing for Darabin because she is just sitting out this season, taking a break. Haven't spotted Elise O'Day playing for them, so unless Elise is taking a break, or she has definitely signed with Darabin. Again, we haven't seen the official Darabin list yet. But going through some of the AFLW players that will be playing uh, with the uh, red and blue, Tegan Cunningham will be running out for them. Former St Kilda Shark, Meg Downey will be playing for them. Former Cranbourne footballer, Bianca Jacobson. Former Spurs footballer, Sarah Lampard. Former St Kilda Sharks footballer, Kate Horby running around for them. Former Diamond Creek footballer, Laura Jurea. And some might go, isn't it far from Diamond Creek to Casey? Well, actually, Laura lives on the Mornington Peninsula. So this is actually closer <laughs> for her. Former Eastern Devils footballer, Catherine Smith, will be running around for them. Uh, also, um, Shelley Scott is a big surprise. Former VU Western Spurs footballer running around, unless she's moved because she had a farm and was milking in Colac. So I'm not sure how that's working out. Going all the way over to Casey. Jasmine Grierson uh, will be running around for them. Claudia Whitford will be heading out there. Uh, another AFLW player, Harriet Cordner, will uh, pull on the boots at some stage. Eden Zenka and Kat Phillips will also be running around for Melbourne. So that's about a dozen or so um, AFLW players. Um, I wouldn't say that they are the creme de la creme of the AFLW list for them because, obviously, uh, from the Melbourne, you'd say a Hickey, a Pierce, a Paxman, O'Day, Mithin, etc. But all in all, very good AFLW footballers for Melbourne, and uh, that should help strengthen a bunch of the new players that that they've brought in from around that um, southeast Gippsland region. Yeah, well, um, obviously, Casey taking over the Cranbourne licence too, so there'll be a few uh, feeding in from uh, the, the Eagles group, you would imagine, throughout the season or, or being developed at the very least, so a good connection there. Um, it, it is good that a lot of that, again, that second-tier group, I've referred to it a couple of times uh, throughout our chat already, but it's that second-tier group of players, not the elite that are coming back down, and I'd imagine that they're the ones. They're pro- they're probably the next, uh, the ne- the next wave coming through of AFLW elite players, if you like. They are being developed. They they are essentially being groomed to take over the likes of Pierce, O'Day, Paxman when they eventually reach retirement, which we hope isn't for another couple of years. But they are the next group of players. So spending more time with each other spending uh, time developing the systems and the structures for the AFLW program. Yes, it's a, it's a little bit different because they are at state league level and there are uh, differences in, in the coaching structures, but they are spending time together and they are a part of the program. So you'd expect their development to continue. Whether they're going to be competitive or not, I'm a little bit questionable on Um just because, again, what you get from that second-tier group of players isn't as consistent as what you get from the, the premium players, if you like. So not sure about the Casey Demons in 2018. They have the potential to be very good, but uh, I think they could be middle of the road. Let's have a look at the Essendon Bombers VFLW playing list. Of course, Essendon is not one of those clubs that have an AFLW license like Hawthorne. So essentially they're uh, looking at the VFLW as uh, the highest they can go and looking to win flags there until um, it, it, the the pathways 
lined out for them by the AFL of when they could apply for their license again and, and enter the AFLW national competition. But they still managed to attract plenty of names, a lot of famous Diamond Creek names as well. Our special guest earlier was Lisa Williams, who is captain of the side, as we spoke about earlier. Kirby Hicks will be playing for them. Tanya Hetherington, of course, who played for the GWS Giants, out of originally out of Diamond Creek, she will be playing for them as well. Lauren Moorcroft will also be taking on an assistant coach's role. She'll be playing for them as well. Let's throw in a few more players for you um, that you'll know. Out of the Eastern Devils, Jessica Trent coming back from an ACL. You've got Kendra Hall from the Eastern Devils coming back from two ACLs. And I should say Kendra Hall, Eastern Devils, slash Hamilton Wildcats. Valerie, Valerie Moreau, Eastern Devils, slash Montreal Angels, two Canadians in the side. She's going to be playing there as well. Um, continuing through some of the other stars they've managed to attract, Natasha Hardy out of Sunbury has returned to the game. Alex Quigley, Alex Quigley for US and Spurs, originally Sunbury. She'll be playing for them. And they've even managed to recruit Maddie Collier from the GWS Giants. Also throw in there Courtney Eugle from WA. So um, they've certainly stacked on the talent at the Bombers. And there's a couple of other familiar names, although not familiar to women's football, that are a part of the list. Stephanie Hurd and Michaelia Long uh, are also named in the Essendon side. So a couple of famous Essendon names on that list. But they have put together a fairly handy squad. And another uh, recruit, if you like, that they've got at Essendon Football Club is the coach, Brendan Major, who comes across from the Eastern Devils and was doing good things with the Devils. Last year was a little bit of a blip on the radar. Uh, They just couldn't get anything going last year. But uh, I rate Brendan Major very, very highly as a a senior women's football coach. So no doubt he'll be looking to uh, impress in, in the role with the Essendon Footy Club. And just quickly, I, I don't think a relation, but I did see a, another famous listener name in there in Madden, uh, um, Alexia Madden, uh, who's actually the captain of Fitzroy ACU in the BAFA has been training with Essendon. So if she uh, doesn't get picked by Essendon, she'll be playing at Fitzroy. If she gets picked by Essendon, obviously playing at Essendon. And also responded uh, Rebecca Neves out of the St Kilda Sharks is a, uh, another name that we know, Liz Carney out of the um, Eastern Devils, a ruck for them. Aisha Ward, who is sister of Callan Ward from the GWS Giants, she'll be playing for the Bombers. So they've certainly got a very good list. Is it a list to, to have a crack at the flag? Maybe the finals. Maybe the finals. Again, it's very hard to predict because everything's up in the air with all the players all over the place compared to last year. But they've certainly, they've certainly got um, a good, what I call a lot of very good footballers. Very good yeah, footballers good. that have been that have been key cogs in other finals bound sides. I think I think a good way of describing it is that they've got a good nucleus. It's yeah. it's a matter of what's around that nucleus uh, and how they how quickly they develop as to how competitive the Essendon Footy Club will be in 2018. There is another name on the list. She's not on the main list. She's named as one of the development players. Uh, a familiar name from the Diamond Creek Footy side. Brittany Gretsch um, is is also named as one of the development players for the Essendon Football Club. So quite a strong Diamond Creek connection, uh, which again, as we mentioned earlier with the St Kilda Sharks and Williamstown, it's nice that there is a, a strong group that's headed across from Diamond Creek to Essendon. So again, it gets 
that that culture started there, as well as the Eastern Devils. Hopefully there's not too much rivalry between those two playing groups. And talking about Diamond Creek and the Eastern Devils, a handful of them have ended up at the Hawthorne Football Club. Diana Haynes uh, is going to be playing for Hawthorne. You've also got uh, many familiar faces out of the Eastern Devils. We speak of Meg Hutchins. We speak of Lou Watton. We speak of Steph Carroll. We speak of Sarah Perkins. Yeah, uh, big Perko. She's uh, signed up at uh, the Hawthorne Footy Club, which of course is a is a club that has been around in the VFLW. Just a new name in 2018. They were the Box Hill Hawks in 2017. They've trans, uh, transferred across to the Hawthorne name in 2018. Paddy Hill remains the coach of the Hawks. So again, that little of con- consistency remains. And stability remains with the Hawks in 2018. And they were gradually getting more competitive across the 2017 season. They ruffled a few feathers towards the back half of last year. If they continue that development and considering the names that they've brought in, like Perkins, Phoebe McWilliams, former St. Louis Sharks player who plays up at GWS in the AFLW, Pepper Randall, also a Giants player from the Eastern Devils, um, and also has some have handy family links to the Hawthorne Footy Club. Her grandfather and great-grandfather played uh, for the Hawks. Beck Privatelli is amongst the name. Lou Watton um, and, of course, uh, Melissa Kyes, who plays for Collingwood in the AFLW, but played for Box Hill, was the captain last year of the Box Hill Hawks. She's returning to the Hawthorne lineup in 2018. And include Beck Beeson from the GWS Giants is going to be playing for them as well to add to that uh, list of impressive talent they've got going there at the Hawks. Emma Mackey coming back, who was at the Bulldogs. And, of course, you know, we talked about players like Chantala Pereira, who we thought was very, very unlucky not to be drafted Um last year um she'll be looking to have another crack uh, obviously uh, working around her basketball commitments so hawthorne looking very strong and that makes for an entertaining game on sunday that means we should be getting some tips as we wrap things up coxie that's our vflw preview for 2018 with the opening round this weekend it all kicks off saturday may 5th 11 15 a.m sky bus stadium which is the old frankston oval southern saints versus carlton who you liking Flip of the coin uh, in this match for me, purely because we don't know a hell of a lot about uh, the lists of either side and how much experience will be on the park for Carlton. I am going to tip the Southern Saints, uh, just purely because it is down in Frankston. I like some of the talent out of SA that Carlton have picked up, so I'm going the Blues. Preston City Oval, Darabin versus the NT Thunder. I don't want to wipe Darabin off, but I just think the Northern Territory Thunder might get their first early at Preston City Oval. I think they've got a core group of players together from the Crows, as we spoke about a little earlier in Darwin. They're just that little bit unsettled at the moment. So I think Northern Territory Thunder can get an early season scalp. I'm going with the Thunder as well. At Worry Park in Oakley, the home of the Oakley Chargers, Collingwood host Williamstown, 2.30pm Saturday. Yeah, knowing what the list looks like for Williamstown and knowing that the the Seagulls have pinched a few magpies uh, for the VFL women's competition in in Ghana 
and Duffin. I think Williamstown will be too strong in this clash. Curiously, two ex-St. Kilda Shark players coaching in this game. Penny Killer-Reed versus Amy Catterall. And I'm going for Williamstown to win that one. VU Witten Oval, the Western Bulldogs versus Richmond, Saturday, 4 p.m. Again, knowing what the list is looking like for the Western Bulldogs, not really sure about what uh, Richmond side will be fielded. I'm tipping the Western Bulldogs to win quite comfortably at, uh, at home on Saturday. I'll back you on that one, not just because of the AFLW players that may be available for the Bulldogs, but because you've got that core of Spurs players that are used to playing together, particularly in the early rounds while some of these new sides get settled. That'll be very handy, and that allows them to run out games. So I've got to back the Bulldogs in that one. Let's have a look. Sunday, 12.30 p.m., GMHBA Stadium, Geelong Cats versus Melbourne Uni. Yeah, the clash of the 2019 AFLW entry clubs. Uh, Have to tip Geelong at home. Also because they seem a little more stable than the muggers at the moment in terms of being able to hold on to the core group of players that they had in 2018. Not riding the muggers off, but I think Geelong will win this one. The Casey Demons have the bye. And finally... Our RSN Carnival match of the day will be at Windy Hill. We're on air at 12 p.m. for a 1 p.m. bounce. You can listen via RSN Carnival Digital Radio, rsn.net.au, the RSN Racing and Sport app, and via vfl.com.au with a video stream as well. Essendon versus Hawthorne. Yeah, a, uh, an old classic rivalry with a new twist. Both of these clubs. Don't have an AFLW licence, but are heavily investing in women's football, which is fantastic to see that they are committed to developing footballers in their region. I'm going to go with Essendon at home. I think that uh, Hawthorne is, again, even though they've got a cool group of players that did play for Box Hill last year, I think they've brought in a lot of uh, high-profile talent and fitting that into that Hawthorne side might take a few weeks to gel. I guess, and then we'll just just have the edge at Windy Hill on Sunday afternoon. I understand Paddy Hill has got the experience with that uh, Hawks unit, particularly that core that he's taken originally from Box Hill and now added a sprinkling of players. All logic says I should be backing Hawthorne, but being a red and black supporter, you've got to go with the heart. I'm, pe- I'm picking the Bombers to win at Windy Hill by about 10 points in a good game in front of a good crowd as well. Cox, it's a romantic, romantic game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's it's the old rivalry going back 30 years. Let me put on the 84 grand final again. Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival and having a look at the VFLW season for 2018. And we look forward to hearing your commentary throughout the year. Yeah, can't wait for it, Pete. Really excited. It's a, it's a fresh-looking VFL women's competition should be another exciting season. And that just about wraps things up. Again, a reminder, our VFLW Match of the Day coverage is back for 2018. It all kicks off this Sunday, May 6th. Pre-game show at 12 o'clock. First bounce, 1 p.m. We bring you Essendon v Hawthorne from Windy Hill. Please join us then via RSN Carnival Digital Radio, the RSN Racing and Sport app, or via rsn.net.au. Until then, I'm Peter Holden, and it's bye for now.